Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. and discussion is called Beautiful Days. Beautiful Days came out in 2001, so this year is the 20th anniversary of this show. Congratulations, Beautiful Days, <laughs> in case you've been counting down to this moment. Beautiful Days is part of the Heaven Trilogy, which is what uh, director Yi jang Su wanted to pursue. Um, the Heaven Trilogy consists of Beautiful Days, as well as Stairway to Heaven and another show with the word heaven in it. And it has Pakshina in it. I didn't see it. Honestly, it doesn't look like a good show, so I'm never going to watch it. I'm not interested. Beautiful Days is the first of this trilogy. And I think the reason why it's part of the Heaven trilogy is because the song that Yi Jung-hyun is singing on Beautiful Days is called Heaven. And um, this show is quite unique in that it shows you like the early days of like K-pop development and how record labels used to work with their artists and like the whole selection process of the open call audition and like, you know, seeking talent in Korea, right? Um, Yi Jung-yeon plays the young woman who is on her way to becoming a K-pop star. And um, yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating. I love this show so much. Um, and, you know, I, I quite love a lot of these shows that I saw during my teen years. And I really love this show because I was like at the peak of my adolescence during this time. And I had just turned 14. Okay, like we're talking like max like for age 14 is like maximum adolescent pubescent change, okay? Cheju who plays Yeonsu on this show, she is the star of the show. She was like fast emerging as Hallyu's like top star all across Asia, okay? This is one year before she starred in Winter Sonata with Peyongjun or Yeonsama as he's more well-known across Japan. And it was two years before Stairway to Heaven. Both of those shows were like, you know, sensational hits, you know, across Asia. Um, but Beautiful Days, for me, on a personal level, caused massive emotional tumult and mental chaos, okay? Because the year before Cheju was in Beautiful Days, she was in another Korean drama called Truth, a.k.a. Jinshi. And she was in that with Yushiwan, and they played lovers on that show, okay? It was a very, like, complex, um, intense kind of drama, all right? Like, there was, like, fucking amnesia in there. There was a cold, cruel-hearted bitch in there that was trying to sabotage everything. It was, it was intense for me. Um, but just a year later, Chijiu is in Beautiful Days opposite Yi Byung-hun as her love interest, but her former co-star from Truth, Ryushiwan, is also in that show, except now Ryushiwan is playing the third wheel to Cheju and Yi Byung-hun. And 
in my young mind, I was just like, what the fuck is happening? You know what I'm saying? Because like, it was just too weird. I was still recovering from the intense melodrama of the year before that when Chiju and Yushiwan were fighting for their love together on Chinxie, on Truth. So it's like, wait, now Chiju's moved on and she's going to be Yibyeonghan's lover now? Like, and Yushiwan's going to be watching helplessly from the sidelines? This was just too much for me, okay? Like, as a young viewer, I just couldn't handle the weirdness. And I remember while I was watching these beautiful day videos like week by week with my mom i would be yelling at the tv going like this is too weird i can't stand it and my mom's like shut up i can't hear the television so my tiny growing mind and soul could not handle the shock of this sudden change all right like i i genuinely feel like the producers should have given it at least two years you know because like even I don't know. Have you guys seen that movie Revolutionary Road with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, even though Revolutionary Road came out like, you know, almost a decade after Titanic, I was my brain was still recovering from Leo's death with Kate Winslet from Titanic, and then seeing them on on in another film, Revolutionary Road, which was very emotionally intense. Um, and spoiler alert fucking Kate Winslet dies in that in that movie um I was just like I was like reeling in the emotional aftermath of Revolutionary Road because it was like also tied to Titanic but anyway um I love Beautiful Days so much I think it's a masterpiece every single actor on this show deserves like a Golden Globe an Emmy an Oscar give them it give them all of it the tony the grammy give them all give them all the awards because cheju ibyeonga ryushiwon ijeonghyun all of them played such immensely complex characters and their performances were top notch like grade a all right uh maybe some people might look at it and be like well this is you know very makjang makjang meaning like you know quote unquote the worst the absolute worst over-the-top spectacle of a soap that you know Korean dramas can possibly be but I think um, Beautiful Days had a little bit more ele like eloquence and sophistication than pure makjang like it wasn't like watching penthouse for god's sakes you know Beautiful Days was written by Yoon Sung-yi and she's written about a dozen Korean tv shows the only other show that she's written that I have also seen is called Shoot for the Stars or Pyeol Soda which stars Chun Do-yeon and Choin Sung. Wow, what a coupling. I liked that show okay, but I love Beautiful Days. First of all, I'll say that Beautiful Days probably contributes to my terrible addiction for toxic masculinity. Yi byung on this show plays the most awful, most toxic, most terrible communicator you have ever seen <laughs> in the history of television. I mean, he is the absolute worst, okay? And unfortunately... Unfortunately, this show frames him as incredibly attractive while being this horrible piece of shit. I'm not going to lie. I was affected by this. I was genuinely affected by this portrayal of masculinity. Okay, like that kind of predatorial behavior, right? That's being exercised. I mean, we need to acknowledge that this is in the pre-Me Too era. Okay. But Yi Byung-un's character on that show checks off every single box of a hyper-masculine predator and a toxic boss. 
All right. On the other hand, his love interest, played by Cheju, who plays Yeonsu on the show, she's the most passive doormat of a human being on this program. Okay, her character is incredibly frustrating on so many levels. It's like, why don't you just fucking explain yourself? You know, why can't you speak up? It's so frustrating. So watching this combination on television can be triggering now, today. In the Me Too era, because you know it's just it's unacceptable, right? Seeing this today, so keep that in mind as you're as you're watching this. But the reason why I say that this show is masterful is because it is supremely well written. Okay, it brings everybody to their knees, like everybody gets their just desserts in the end. All right, Cheju, right, Yunsu. She is so kind and passive and giving and selfless on this show, right? Like the the epitome of the quote unquote virtuous good woman, and everybody around her is haranguing her, making crazy demands, and she gets fucking leukemia. Okay, like in the end, she gets fucking leukemia. Like she's about to die any moment. That level of leukemia and the shock of this diagnosis. Pretty much forces all the characters to put aside their bullshit and come to her aid. Right? So it's extreme. It's an extreme narrative device and a choice. But yeah, maybe some of you think it's hacky. It kind of is. But let's keep in mind the show came out in 2001. And for 2001, leukemia wasn't too hack. It was pretty much expected and kind of necessary. Okay? Just a year ago, they fucking killed off Song Yigyo. On that show, Kaldunga. What is it? Autumn, Autumn Tale or Story of Autumn? Whatever. The 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 show with Songyeo, the one where she dies of leukemia. So you know, people were kind of like used to this. It's almost like an expectation at this point. All right. The levels of change that Yi Byung-un's character undergoes, right, is just so immense. Like the moment he learns that Yeonsu has leukemia, he just goes through this radical transformation. It's Almost painful to watch. All right, so he loses that smoldering, arid, you know, stoic quality to him, and he becomes a little bit more goofy and cheesy. You know, like in order to accommodate Yunsu, honestly. But yeah, I mean, like I, I kind of had to turn away at times. It was just a bit much. I know that I make fun of Yi Byung-un a lot on this show whenever I mention him, and it's kind of justified because around the time. Of his big success in the Y2K moment of our history, he was dating a lot of women. He dated Song Yegyo, like I said, but over the years, uh, post breakup with Song Yegyo, he was involved in numerous scandals. All right, like there were women complaining about psychological and emotional abuse from him, and all of these women and their callouts were dismissed by the print media as blackmailers full of hearsay. But again, this is pre Me Too era, and in pre Me Too era Korea, pretty much any woman who spoke out against a male celebrity was going to be written up as a blackmailer. I mean, that's how it went. Okay, so this is why the Me Too movement is such a powerful moment in our history. So Yi Byung-un got away with a, lo- a lot of his scandals. Is my point. Okay, if he had gotten these scandals written up. You know, in around 2007, 2008, you know, his career would have looked very, very different. But Yi Byung-hun is one of the very, very few Korean stars who has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He also has representation from some big talent agencies out here in Hollywood. 
Another unfortunate thing is that Yushi won. Okay, his career took a massive hit after his ex-wife accused him of stalking her and surveilling her against her will and without her knowledge or consent. All right, so there's been accusations of domestic abuse as well, and yeah, like Yushiwan's career never recovered from that. The massive irony is that Yushiwan always played the good boy or the nice boy in all of his TV shows. I mean, he was a huge star among you know K drama fans. Among you know women my age when we were all teenagers when we were growing up, so revisiting Beautiful Days twenty years after after it aired, it's it comes with a lot of complex emotions for me. With that said, I am a big fan of this show, and you could watch it on Drama Cool for free. So there you go, you have access to the show. I thought long and hard about why leukemia is such a common trope or source of death. For sappy Korean soap operas from the late 1990s and early 2000s, like why specifically leukemia? Okay, like why not just stomach cancer or brain cancer? Why leukemia specifically? Uh, and leukemia is a specific kind of cancer that's related to blood and bone marrow, right? And Korea has this very weird relationship when it comes to blood. A lot of it has to do with colonization and mobilizing Korean nationalism for South Korea's reconstruction from the devastation of war and the years of colonization just prior to the Korean War. So nationalism serves a cause during times of. Rupture or national crisis, and we see this in every single country, right? We, you know, in most recent American history, we saw this around nine eleven, and we saw we saw what America's um, inflated sense of patriotism did, right? It caused more xenophobia. There was, you know, a greater sense of anti-Muslim hatred that led to immense racialized hate and violence against Middle Eastern and South Asian American citizens in this country, right? In Korea's context, tropes of blood-related diseases like leukemia they're tied to xenophobia and anti-colonial sentiment. And while these are separate, they are interrelated. And the anti-colonial sentiment is specifically anti-Japanese. I would say Kyuk Shin is a great scholar you can turn to for reading more on Korean nationalism and this whole quote-unquote pure blood concept that is very prevalent in the Korean discourse. Uh, Kyuk Shin does a really wonderful job of connecting how anti-coloniality transformed into xenophobia of not just. Japanese people, but of all races and ethnicities in Korea. When you look at Korean dramas where the female protagonists get leukemia, she's pretty much always had family issues. Okay, she's almost always an orphan, or she's you know she has a single parent or or something. There's some kind of complexity when it comes to her family tree. There's a there's this uncertainty as to where this orphan female protagonist is from. Because she's an orphan, and you know, like like Yunsu is in Beautiful Days, nobody knows what her real ethnicity is. Nobody really knows what her blood identity is because they don't know who her parents are. There's no way to trace that, right? So, so the female orphan protagonists on Korean dramas who get leukemia are surrogates of Korea's issues around xenophobia. Okay, and that's combined with Korea's hangups around this pure blood patrilineal belief, as well as xenophobia, just in general. 
Okay, so xenophobia of just all non-Korean ethnicities, while mobilizing nationalism for economic stabilization and cultural enhancements were useful. They were useful tools in the early post-Korean War years. These beliefs need to take a chill in the present day. Okay, I mean, like the consequences of nationalism of any kind in any country is always going to have terrible consequences because it involves exclusionary politics. That's how it works. All right, I said this before, and I'll say it again. But Korea needs to reckon with its transformations. All right, its intra-Asian violence and hate. That is, that is kind of flocking. It's it's transferring over to the diaspora communities across the world. All right, intra-Asian hate and violence stems from the motherland and its histories. Let's not forget that. Okay, so if we have intra-Asian hate and violence in within the Asian American community, we need to acknowledge where that comes from. We need to understand where it originates from, and and that will be the process to. Healing and transformation. Okay, so if you're Korean and you're about my age, then you grew up with parents who were pretty anti-Japanese and pretty much anti any Asian ethnicity. Okay, we inherited some really deep-seated biases, and we we really need to actively resist and correct them in our own words and actions in our day-to-day lives. All right, let's remember that. Let's remember that, and it's possible. It's doable. We're doing it right now. Being xenophobic is different from celebrating your own culture. Okay, being proud of your heritage is different from looking down on another person's heritage. Celebration can lead to greater celebration of others. All right, it doesn't need to come with any baggage of hate. So let's celebrate our roots and our neighbors' roots. Let's try and see. The commonalities in that celebration. Let's learn from one another and offer respect. Okay, there's a lot to be gained from acknowledging our common proximities rather than be ignorant or afraid of them. All right. So my challenge for myself and for you today is: How can we learn to be a better neighbor? How can we be a good neighbor? Let's think about that. Today's guest is amazing. His name is Jaron George. He is a Portland, Oregon-based comedian. He's originally from Brooklyn. I love Jaron. He is a wondrous soul and a very talented comic. He cracks me up. He's the host of IT Pod Desk podcast, which you can find on Spotify. He also hosts Settled on Catan podcast, which you can stream on Twitch. You'll also find him on Specscript, which I've been on once. Like a couple of months ago, I really enjoyed it. I love the Portland comedy community. They're a wonderful bunch. I love all their gimmick shows. It's amazing. I, I had so much fun when I was in Portland, and I really enjoyed recording this episode with Jaren. So I hope you like it too. You got a nice setup. You got a pretty sweet setup there. Thank you. I'm an IT personnel, and uh... um, I have to look professional. But people uh, are just roasting me in my. Uh... Company is just like, uh, oh, I didn't know this is NPR uh, <laughs> uh, room. I entered it. I was like, uh, very funny, Allison. <laughs> Good one, Allison. Man, how are you? It's been a minute. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Uh, mm. Right now, I can't go out because uh, yeah, the pandemic. That's one. Uh, that's the second one. thing is there's a lot of snow and ice, and uh, oh, really? I have a very frail body, and I don't want to, you know, bruise a hip or anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, you grew up in uh, Brooklyn, though. You're used to snow. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm used to it. You got me. <laughs> yeah, it's like really nice here. It's like 60 degrees in LA, sunny. It's a little windy, but no okay. Snow. <laughs> uh, fair enough. We're making it work here in Portland, you know. I, I'm, I miss it. I we met at the Ha Ha Harvest Comedy Festival. Oh, last, flashback. Yeah. Like, yeah. Getting close to two years now. And, and a flashback. Man, was that that was such a fun festival. Like I genuinely enjoyed every moment of that festival. Yeah. yeah. Um I, I yeah, I was really happy like to be part of to like help run it and stuff and um yeah, yeah it's just like uh man, I I've been to a festival where like it was really like like I was really the anxious like anxiety I had. I was in uh-huh. D- the DC Comedy Festival and they bumped me like for their local yeah. pals like times. The show started at eight PM. I didn't go up to like around like eleven thirty. <gasps> Three hours? Three hours, yeah. That's but fucked like, up. Yeah, you know, but like uh I like ones where it's just like real fun and you know, you get to meet cool people mm-hmm. and like it's just um yeah, and you know we're we're eating, you know, yes. uh, everything's like close by. Yes, I still remember those the the beer sponsorship you guys had. It was like Blue Label with like rainbow colors. Like, what was that beer sponsor? Oh, you talking about the Montucky? Yes, that beer was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love those beer cans. If they're listening, hey, get the good get the sponsor <laughs> sponsorships out. Yeah, Montaki, I'm looking for sponsors. I love those beers, though. And um, yeah, it was like a genuinely fun time. And I, I actually enjoyed like the cooler weather. And like, the, I remember at one point it did start snowing while I was there because it was like late fall. Oh, yeah, that was the little magic we, we put on the festival. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I think oh, that was like... around the end. Yeah, uh-huh, we were just like, yeah. yo, let the snow fall, make it look festive. You planned it. You planned it for us um, LA dorks who don't get any snow out here. Hey, we're just yeah. trying to enlighten you, you know, we're just, you know, <laughs> share some insights. So I'm, sh- I'm, I'm recording this um, on February 15th. Did you do anything on Valentine's Day? Um, No, I did a joke. <laughs> I did a post where I was just like, um, uh, I hugged. I was like, "Happy Valentine's Day!" I hugged everything in my room that I love, <laughs> <laughs> and then I get, I got like, um, like those care um, reactions and the hearts, and I was like, "No, this won't cut it. No, this is too sad." Yeah, it bummed you out even more. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I had to delete it. I was like, no. I don't. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like it always sucks. Like it's kind of like when you're on stage and you tell a joke that's like. It's open and vulnerable, and then everybody yeah. goes, aww. And you're like, wait, that wasn't supposed to trigger that response. It was supposed right. to crack you up. Well, the thing is, like, um, Twitter, like, it works on Twitter. I don't yes. feel any of that because I know what I'm what I'm tweeting into. I'm, I'm tweeting yeah. into a cesspool, you know? Yeah. So, like, but Facebook, it's like friends and family. You're just like, oh, Jared's <laughs> hanging it all right. I mean, I know there's no comedy, but he's really hurting, you know? So I'm just like, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's like let's take Jaren to church. We need to find him, find him somebody nice. Yeah, I was just like, come on, people. Even even other comics too. I was just like, you guys, <laughs> just ignore me like you used to. You yeah, know? just let me be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I kind of hate Valentine's Day. I think it's like one of the worst days ever. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like 
man like even yeah like uh the posts and and stuff yeah. and just like you know the whole capitalism of it all too so the capitalism like, of it all and yeah. it's also like i shouldn't have to take the fact that people are like in love personally and yet mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I yeah. feel myself taking it personally. I'm like, why are you shoving this in my face, huh? It's everywhere, <laughs> you know? Man. Yeah, they got to cut that shit out. Yeah, there's. Uh, they did like a Valentine's challenge, and I was just like, oh, God. Mm. <laughs> like, no, I'm not reading you. all this. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, uh, you, I remember at the time when we, um, when we met up at the festival, you were driving for you were like driving for Lyft or Uber or something. Oh yeah. But but now Dark you're times. doing the the IT thing. Yeah. It's, What's um, that transition like? It it's weird. Like um, I never started a job like working remotely, and yeah. um, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, I had to spice that resume up. Like you know, <laughs> just <laughs> you know, I just yeah. had to like I'm just like add this, add that. I'm not fabricating that. I've experienced it. Therefore, yes. it's in the resume. Okay, <laughs> talk to my employer. So like, it's just like um, you know, like uh, and especially the interviews. Oh my god, I I interviewed probably like three or four times with different wow. people in this uh uh, uh company, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just like, I don't know if I'm gonna get this. I just um my um the the job I got after uh, Lyft, I was working at this warehouse, like helping like uh like electronics like recycle sure. electronics and stuff mm-hmm. and if they're good we get to sell it on ebay it was great mm. um but you know it's, it's only if it works and whatnot but mm. like um this job while that was happening i'm like sneezing in this warehouse like i'm sneezing a lot like mm. snot is dripping out of me and i'm just like there's two times i have to like go home and i was like i can't work like this so i'm trying mm. to get this job and i'm getting interviewed three or four times and guess what i i can't believe i got it and um yeah yeah, I was expecting like a you know a good like average salary like an entry level, and then when sure. they me, I was just like, oh, this is not, <laughs> this is not entry at all. Like, mm. this is not. So, um, I got MacBooks. I gotta uh, yes. give out to employees, new employees. I gotta ask for MacBooks back from ones who got fired. That's mm. weird. That I gotta. <laughs> I gotta like tell them like, hey, buddy, um, I need you to uh, send that back, you know, please, thank you. Yeah. Here's the shipping label, you know. <laughs> and then like, after probably like a, a week or two, like I had to get a little direct. So I was like, hey, we need the MacBook back. You want your last paycheck? Give us the MacBook. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's like a hostage situation. Yeah. yeah, that actually happened to a friend of mine. She um, got a job. It was like a new job, and she was struggling. She was struggling and like, kind of clicking with that new crowd, the mm. the new workplace crowd, and they were kind of like hazing her a little bit, treating her like shit. And then they fired her like a month into the job, and she had never been fired before, so she was trauma. And she has a big ego, so she was traumatized. Mm. And they sent somebody over to her house to pick up the computer that they lent her. Shit. Yeah. It was brutal, and I was just like, "Fuck!" They don't play around. Wait, did they give her like a warning or anything? Like HR were just like, "Hey, let's no. work something out." And wow, they were just like, "You're fired." <laughs> yeah. And the fucked up thing is, like, the people that she was working with, mm-hmm. she would tell them, "Like, look, I I know I'm still kind of new at this, and I'm still learning a lot." And that bitch was taking like night classes and shit in order to like catch up to oh. their standards, and paying out of pocket for that. And they they kept telling her, no, you're going to be fine. You're doing great. It takes a while. And then they just fucking 
fired her. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, I... a guy just showed up at her doorstep. Was like, give us the MacBook. Damn. <laughs> Give us all the company stuff. You you signed a contract. Like, yeah, that's... <laughs> Wouldn't it be fucked up if they were also like, also give us like that painting on your wall and you, know, <laughs> you, you sucked so hard. Like, give us your your Le Creuset, you know, fucking Dutch oven. Like, give us sh- <laughs> give us your things, right? Like, no, like something on the contract where you're just like, yeah. oh yes, um, uh, you didn't read the fine print. Once you get fired, we take one thing that you love. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, for that puppy. Our- yeah, wasting our time. So give us your dog. What's that G- puppy's name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, f- getting getting fired is painful. Yeah. Um, um I just hope uh, because this is a startup company and uh, my mentor mm-hmm. already just like, hey, I'm leaving. Like first, I thought she's gonna be on leave because she's having a baby. Like in uh-huh. April though, but like she, she just sprung it up on me, and I was just like, oh. And then she was just like. Hey, I'm just gonna let you know. Like she just told me every, like right. almost everything. Some of it was vague, so she's uh-huh. like, "You might want to like check your resume, like get your resume ready and stuff like that." I was like, "Okay." Wow. I just hope I get like um, I hope oh I want one of those uh what do you call those packages uh, they give you those severance packages. Se- severance Ooh. packages. Yeah, yeah, I want that. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just like just just yeah. Is this gonna yeah. last me for the whole year? Yeah, just give it to me. Let's. Oh man. <laughs> So, um, let's talk about your comedy career a little bit. Did you start out in Brooklyn or did you start out in D.C.? Because you lived in D.C. a little bit too, right? Oh, no, not D.C. No, New York. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, born and raised. Um, I, only, I only went to D.C. for that festival. And, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, like I said, it was an experience. But, um, yeah, yeah um, I almost started in New York, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, But it's like one of those pay-to-play places. Like, sure. Um, it was like you had to like either give out flyers or oh no no you had to like invite like a couple people and stuff. Yeah, the bringer um, shows. Yeah, yeah, it was a bringer show. Um, f- funny thing, I still had to do that when I went on the Broadway Comedy Club for the first time. That yeah. was in two thousand eighteen. But, mm-hmm. anyways, um, yeah, I started in um, in Portland, and um, I remember, yeah, it was like two thousand thirteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was just like an open mic and. Uh, northeast portland the comedy uh curious comedy club yeah nice no curious comedy theater i don't want to give it a name club it's uh-huh. not... <laughs> yeah but um, yeah or something yeah. yeah oh that's cool yeah um i mean the bringer show situation that's like in every almost every single like city in the united states where they have like decent comedy kind of scene yeah um and i fucking hate it like I don't think I've ever done a bringer show just because I don't like the, the the policy of it and the the ideology behind it. I just don't find it, yeah, I'm like politically against it. Right, and and I and I can see why they do it because I um I could tell like uh, certain businesses they they're struggling, you know. <laughs> like if you have sure. to do like a bringer show, it's just like yeah. and um like if I want to do a show like that, like I don't think I'm gonna have fun. Because yeah. I'm gonna be on stage because I feel pressured, you know. Like yes. I feel pressured. Like they need to do well. That's why they have me. That's why they asked me to bring my friends. You know, <laughs> so I'm just, you know, you're thinking all that, and you like you have to perform. This, yeah, this is not, this is not fun. And it's always, it's always at a place where it's just like kind of run down a little bit, yeah. and you're just like, hey, we gotta, we gotta take the side eggs. We gotta take uh, the side door in the alleyway. <laughs> I know it's like grimy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's the griminess to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and they like it's like rigged too. You know, right. it's rigged for whoever brings the most people, and 
There's always a catch to it. Just like, yeah, you brought five people, but they didn't buy anything at the bar, so the deal's <laughs> off. <laughs> I yeah, it's the whole racket of it that drives me insane. But yeah, but Portland's got a great scene, you know. Like, yeah. actually, I used to like fantasize because I moved out to LA six years ago this year mm. but i used to fantasize like back when i was still living in new york about moving to portland because i just loved the idea of it you know? yeah yeah i mean and i'm not gonna lie and i know like you, you know now you're a portlander like this might be annoying but like portlandia <laughs> did have a lot to do with that romanticization yeah yeah yeah, yeah there was there was a way um no here's the thing like for me it was kind of <sighs> It's it's a little bit different. I I, I can't really explain it, and it's still happening here because like it feels mm -hmm. like uh, like I don't. Know, there's a lot of community building that I've yes. uh, that I've uh, witnessed, like you know, mm -hmm. and it's uh it's really weird too because people are like connected. It's yes. like a web of connections here. Yes. Now I didn't start living in Portland uh, before that. It was San Francisco for two oh. years. So it was like yeah, 2011, 2012. And then, yeah, I moved to Portland for a little bit, and um, I worked at an outdoor education camp in Connecticut, but I came mm -hmm. back in 2014. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So, but, like, um, when I first visited Portland, um, yeah, it was I was really blown away because, like, uh, the job that I've worked in San Francisco, there was, like, an office there, mm -hmm. and I wanted to see to get that job there as well in mm -hmm. Portland. I turned down a New York, uh, like, a salary job. Like, I was going to be, like, a PE instructor kind of type mm -hmm. job um, in New York. I turned it down to work, like, a part-time after-school instructor <laughs> in some, like, some kind of wealthy elementary mm -hmm. school in Forest Park. And, yeah, and, like... I didn't get paid a lot, but you know what? I was doing comedy. I was meeting new cool people. Yes. And um, the funny thing is, like, uh, I um, this band uh, that I've uh, listened to since like, like 2008, they're from Portland too. You mm. know, it's just, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, What's I, the band? I, uh, the Thermals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I have a yeah, I have a good friend who's um, you know who's my roommate now. Like he's here, and you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's just like. And then that's how, like, comedy, like, really opened up, you know? It's, yeah. it's crazy. And then, like, the funny thing is the people who I know who works in comedy worked at my old job or, you know, like, right. uh, you know, things like that. It's mm -hmm. it's great. And yeah. um, it's it's kind of scary, like, now I'm just like, I don't know what I will do, like, now. Yeah. Like, you know, what's yeah. the next step, you know? I so. know. You're, like, immersed in – you have your family. You have your local yeah. community family. That's, mm. that's another lovely thing I, I loved, like, when I was in Portland – during that comedy festival is like seeing this sort of like sisterhood vibe between mm -hmm. Seattle and Portland too. It's like everybody knew one yeah. another. Like, yeah, we don't hate each other, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. And, and yet in the mainstream, they always like pit Portland and Seattle against each other, you know? Right. But, but like among the comedians, it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, all the Seattle f folk knew the Portland folk. And I was just like, wow, that's so, that's so nice. And they even knew like, the, the other parts, like, they knew, like, the Salem folk and, like... Yeah, like yeah. big connection, yeah. Yeah, I was going to oh, say, nice. like, there's, there's, like, some places, like, even branch with Portland that they know. Mm -hmm. and, and even in between, like, you know, like, Olympia, uh, Tacoma, mm -hmm. I, I know a lot right. of cool folks there. Yeah. Right. So yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I went to Seattle, um, I guess, two years ago, um to do shows and like yeah i loved seattle too like seattle comedy scene was pretty sweet too and like in fact it was just like mm -hmm. random but like 
I was at the the underground and ah uh, yeah the headliner like I was just like talking to him in the green room he was an LA comic and I was like oh wait what's up <laughs> like what are you doing he's like oh yeah I just been touring and Seattle's one of the cities I'm hitting up I'm like oh okay sweet yeah yeah so like a lot of I think West Coast comics do that like West Coast thing where they go up and down the whole coastal area just to do shows yeah mm-hmm. it's like they they know because they're just like oh I can't get well. I could just, like, do a, a whole tour. Like, it's so funny. Like, every time I see, a, like, a comic who's, like, visiting, yeah. like, um, I just see, like, even on Facebook, you see all the events. It's just like, oh, they're on that show. Oh, they're on that show. Oh, okay, okay. They, oh, they do the whole tour. Okay. They go, <laughs> okay. So, should get them on my show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, all that. Yeah. So, do you, um, have you done, like, road gigs a lot, or do you do the road at all? Um, I'm trying to this time um, a little bit more. Um, I mean, the most I ever went out was, like, um, Mm, let me see san francisco i would say mm-hmm. yeah um, i love san francisco yeah i um i was happy to like be part of the sketch fest even though like i did like technically got accepted but like i was doing the spec script show sure. out there so that was fun um but yeah. um i haven't like really like i kind of like want to like designate one and uh i think that's a gold yeah. mine so like after uh you know these covid times i really want to go to like austin denver oh, yeah. you know those oh, places yeah. now i was supposed to go to denver that was mm-hmm. supposed to be my road gig in oh. april last year and then when covid happened and everything went to shit i was like devastated Damn. devastated we had booked yeah. three shows i was supposed to do with two other comics fuck man that sucked that yeah. really sucked but, but yeah i mean you know i'm just trying to save money and hopefully it'll happen you know it will happen I mean, yeah. why wouldn't it happen? I love your energy on stage when you're, you know, performing. That's, like, <laughs> my favorite thing. You just bring this really, like, vibrant, like, just, like, gust of energy. And I'm just, like, man, it's, like, so nice just to see you on stage, you know? It's, like, yes, <laughs> like, he's doing it. He's bringing it. It's just, like, fun, you know? Yeah, you, you gotta have fun. fun. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, it's just that, like, yeah, I... I um, I think I like, uh, you know, like if you you doing the jokes that you love to do. I think yeah. like uh, I, it's just like ones where I feel like it really like relates, or I feel like oh, I'm vibing with everyone. This is mm-hmm. cool, you know, mm-hmm. um, and stuff. So uh, I think it's what like when I see that in the audience, when I get like some head nods, <laughs> just like oh, you with me? Okay, <laughs> so you know. Just, so it I just takes that. like very little kind of approval, and you're just like yes. You know, yeah. I, I see people's heads swaying, just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You're speaking this truth, and I'm just like, yeah, you understand. Like, what do you do if, like, I mean, because you know, as comics, we've all been there where the room yeah. is just not having it. Like, do you do you bring the same amount of energy and gusto, like when they're just like not having it? Um, no, I. Uh, well, yeah, I. I mean, I. I, I try. I think. Uh, that's like part of my um things like i try to improve on and stuff and especially like i like to like really like try to especially mics like i try to like see that just like bomb on stage just to i just like to um like not rant but just like if i have a joke where it's just not like like i don't really cut down anything i'm just Mm -hmm. like talking yeah Mm -hmm. but like there's points where like um i like to get to a point where it's not like where you break a wall, but you just like you just tell the audience go like go like ah this is where we at now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Y'all not, not agreeing with me, right? I get it. Okay. Skinny black man from Brooklyn does not know how to talk the lingo, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I crack a little bit. I just do that. Or, like, sometimes, like, when it's quiet, it's like, mmm, quiet. Mmm, that musk. Mmm. I could, I could hear the dish rag from the bartender wiping the tables. Yeah, no. I know that's like the only way to do it like mm-hmm. I was uh, doing this um I guess like a classroom interview or something um, yeah Bambi Haggins she writes about black comedy history she's amazing she's over at University of um, California wow. Irvine and uh, I was just talking to her grad students I guess about comedy and you know mm-hmm. that, that was one of the questions like what do you do when like they're just not having it yeah you know? and the answer is you just have to like acknowledge that it's not happening yeah. That's the best way to do it. And once you do, then people loosen up and they laugh. It's if you yeah, ignore they... it and you keep going, that's when it's fucking awkward and crazy. But people at the back of the room are dying laughing. Like, the comics love hearing other people bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, um, you can't, yeah, people could tell if you're being fake or you're just like, oh, this is all scripted. <laughs> like. <laughs> He doesn't know what to do. <laughs> like, he's yeah, ignored, now, yeah, he's just I'm on just, autopilot, just like, yeah, just rattling his words out now. You know, yeah, yeah. it's just like I, I feel like the audience is just like, uh, I and, and when I see people bob and like I'm just like going in, um in their heads, we're just like, oh, they just go. The audience is going along with it, nice, <laughs> and stuff. But the audience is just like, what yeah. is he doing? This is. <laughs> Is he acknowledging what's happening around him? Are we robots? No, we're not. Is he even we here? Too. Yeah. So you know, um, yeah. it's it's just one of those things where you just like, oh yeah, the, the, you know, the perspective of it all. You yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. My friend actually, she's she's a great comic, um, Krista Lundberg. She actually mm. told me about this one incident where she was at a comedy festival. Actually, okay. I can't remember where, but she was just like she said she was bombing. And she felt herself, like, leave, you know? Like, she gave up on on the, the set, basically. She was, like, three minutes in. She yeah. gave up. And so she literally sat down on the stage, head down. And she was just, like, kind of, like, wrote, like, kind of speaking her lines and punchlines without any, you know, regard for it. And after she got off stage, she said to herself, like, she was like, Kristen don't ever give up on yourself like that again. And yeah. like, I was like, that's a beautiful story because when, when that's happening, when you decide like in your brain while you're bombing, not to be present anymore, right. that's you giving up on yourself. That's you abandoning yourself. It's like the audience already abandoned you. Are you going to abandon yourself too? And I was just like, man, that is such an insightful story. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. I, man. I, I, yeah, I can't imagine myself like, like we just said like she just like left her body i was just like oh man like yeah i could just like just picture it just like oh well this is this is how it's gonna go like you know (laughs) it's like yeah yeah it's like um yeah and you just get stuck in like that comfort zone where Mm -hmm. you're just like uh you know like and i and i and i feel i you know people always come up to me and it's like john are you scared like you know like talking on stage like in public Mm -hmm. and stuff and i'm just like what a lot of we like a lot of people do this, you know, like a yeah. lot of people. Like it's not only us and yeah. and stuff, you know. And yeah. I feel like um, those times it's just like you're gonna have to break out of those comfort zones. And that's why I started comedy because like I was yeah. just trying to practice public speaking, mm-hmm. you know. Like yeah. um, 
in college, I hated taking the class because yeah. uh, they would tell you what to say or like give you yeah. an example. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about what's in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> What's my interest? Yeah. There's no better lesson for a public speaking than stand up comedy. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. if you want if you want your folks to like your students to learn public speaking, fucking take them to an open mic. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. They'll, they'll learn everything that they need to learn. Yeah. Exactly. And that is that is a comfort zone thing because like when I first started, like I started I was drinking a lot, you know? Like the first mm-hmm. three stand up things I did, I was I was smashed. Like, I was shit-faced. Like, <laughs> nine vodkas on the rocks. Like, that's how fucking wasted I was. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, that's also me kind of, like, abandoning myself. That's me checking out, you know. Yeah. And, uh, like, somebody was just like, you have to get used to the feeling of you being on stage without alcohol and just feeling it. And then, yeah. and then getting used to that and then getting over it. And I was like, okay, fine. So, and that's the comfort zone that you're speaking of, you know? Yeah. Um, and honestly, like being that wasted didn't help my nerves at all. I was still, I was now drunk and nervous. Like that's, mm. that was the issue. So now before stage time, I never, ever drink. Yeah. 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 Mm. I think that's with me with weed too. Like, uh, yeah, I'm just like, oh man, I'm forgetting jokes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm forgetting jokes and I never... I never and I and to this day I still haven't and I think I messed up one time. Oh, mm. because it was four twenty. That that you could say it, but yeah. I don't like it when comments they go like, "Oh, sorry, I'm so high," you know, yeah. and, and it's just like um, <laughs> it's just like a really like a cop out and it like is. you know even like when you bomb it, you get just like, "Oh, guys, I'm so high." I know, and, you know, like the audience just like clearly, you know, it's just. <laughs> Did you even have to talk about it? I mean, it'd be funnier. Yeah, it'd be funnier if you were like stoned out of your mind, and they're like, "Are you stoned?" And you're like, "No." You just keep insisting that you're not. Like that'd be funnier. You know you'd be like, I mean? "Oh, that's how he thinks." Yeah. That's... <laughs> Poor soul. Yeah. Oh man. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't hit up any shops when I was in Portland. Like any of the. the Do you even have to? I, I felt like we no. just. I felt yeah. like I just like threw some joints in the sky like one time <laughs> during a festival. Just like, all right, here you go, everyone. Isn't it fucking crazy that New York is still like weed is still not recreationally legal in New York? Isn't that fucking crazy? Like when I when I whenever I go back to New York, I I'm always baffled by how like square they are when it comes to weed. You mm. know, they're like, oh, hide that. Like, what are you doing? Oh, you what? You did what? And I'm like, huh. I'm like, yeah. why are you guys so wound up about a little a little Chiba? What's yeah. the problem? I did a, I did a joke about um like uh especially when I, oh I remember being upstate and I was working at this camp and it was like we had like a night off nice. and someone had weed on them Fuck yeah. and yeah we smoked outside like away from the bar mm-hmm. and this was like like Hicktown like upstate <laughs> New York. God yeah, damn. A lot of American flags, that Talk, kind of situation. Like, confer- yeah, Confederate flag, I think I saw one oh, time. God. And I was just like, out here? Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I'm just going to even hear how they talk again. Yeah. But anyways, it's just like, yo, we came back in the bar. And, like, we probably smelled a little bit, but, we, you mm-hmm. know, we are outside. And then, like, five minutes in, music stopped. Bartender's like, hey, who's smoking marijuana in here? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're gonna kick everyone out. 
I smell the reefer. We can't. Yeah, that's, that's everyone's you know. out of here. I, that's my last warning. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, when they call it reefer, that's when you know it's not welcome. I was like, man, <laughs> calm down. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. It's but like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, in New York I remember like um yeah, it, it was just like uh people like even when um oh yeah, my joke was just like um the things that we go to get weed too, like it's so hard to find it. I remember yeah. going to New Jersey, I had to go to my my friend's like grandma's place and I hesitated. I knew it. I was like, "No, I'm not going to New Jersey." just to smoke weed and then guess what i'm on the train already it's crazy <laughs> you know and, yeah. and and like when you bring the weed like you're mm-hmm. the hero you remember yeah. that yeah cause <laughs> you're the life like, of the party yeah yeah they couldn't even imagine how you got that weed you know <laughs> i didn't get to go through some like underground shit in order to like get it you know it was like right. this massive bridge and tunnel experience mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah it's so dumb. I, it's, yeah. But yeah, hey, like, lately I've been kind of off weed and I've been off alcohol. Just, nice. I don't know. I'm not, like, sober or anything. I'm not like that. I don't have any chips or any of that. It's just, yeah, just trying to stay focused a little bit. Get some work done. That's good. Yeah. Are you see. working on anything like that? Yeah, I mean, this is, podcasting is a lot of work. Man, it's a lot of fucking work. Because oh, yeah. I know you got your game thing going, right? Like, oh yeah, Settlers of Catan, yeah. It's a yeah, good time. you know I played Settlers of Catan when I was like, like over ten years ago. Like these white, white boy dorks that I knew, like they were like, oh. they were like, yo, let's play some Settlers. I was like, what? And they were <laughs> so into it. I was like, what is this? It's got like rocks and like wood and like all this stuff. They were like bonkers over settlers they were like we played this for 12 hours yesterday i was like what you know like get some sun get a little vitamin d like John- what is your jonathan idea? i'll trade you lumber for for some brick remember <laughs> you owe me jonathan we need to stop from getting the longest road oh god yeah just... <laughs> they were so into it and that was like the only time i played i was almost like forced to play with these like white boys but um yeah, That's you have fun. you turn it into like a show, right? Like a comedy show kind of thing. Yeah, and um, it's it's funny. It's it's unraveling itself a bit because uh, it, I first had it as a podcast, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was really fun. The thing is, I can't really show what's happening in the game, but mm-hmm. I love the chatter. I love how I was able to break it down to sections where I had like the pre-interview where you yeah. know we talk about how to play the game if the you know their first time playing yeah. or if there's their you know everyone's experienced we do a little yeah. bantering you know <laughs> you know we try to a little back you know, and forth a little yeah poking the elbows a little bit you know <laughs> and this was shit. yeah this was live this was like in my living room downstairs and like i would have the mic set up for everyone mm-hmm. and stuff and um oh yeah even before that i do a little intro like a little monologue you know mm-hmm. and then explain who's on the show but yeah the mm-hmm. pre-interview and then in the middle this is what i do this is so interesting yeah. like i take like a little like snippet of a like a audio clip probably like one of those free royalty free songs that i can uh-huh. get and yeah. it's like one of those like medieval like songs you know like do you know like almost like game of Thrones or lord of the rings yeah so like it's playing over and then like you hear like little audio snippets like coming in and out like fading in and out uh-huh. and there's things that's happening in the game and it builds a storyline because ah. i can't 
it's gonna take like three hours if to like listen to the whole game right. and it's just like a lot is happening but i'm mm-hmm. gonna take like little like highlights that are happening and it, they're really funny yeah and at the end i did a post interview forget yeah. who won uh yeah. lessons that they've learned like mm-hmm. kind of like debrief and stuff right so yeah after you take them through like all the ringer right the game yeah i i still feel bad about it you like asked me to do it and i was like so like allergic to the notion of games at the time i still am and mm. like don't take it personally it was more like when i was in college i was dating this guy he was in medical school so i never saw him and oh man this motherfucker would play do you know those card games that have like elements like water and like fire it's not oh, magic i think so yeah this fucker him and his college friend his college buddy was a dental school piece of shit <laughs> this these two fucking dorks would play that for hours all day and he my boyfriend was in medical school so i never ever saw him like we never ever got to do anything and on his days off he would be playing magic with his piece of shit dental school friend and just like completely ignore me i was so fed up you know i was just like i can't and he did that the whole summer jaron the whole the whole fucking summer and i was just like i can't i when it comes to games i'm just like i have this like anger associate (laughs) and also like i just don't i don't play games like i don't know how to play games the only games that i played maybe you know Mm -hmm. this um those like microsoft dos games like lion king minesweep minesweep did you play dude like he Mm. would he was like a little dude who would collect gems like all over the caves i played dude (laughs) i played like wolfgang 3d i played that and like doom i played those when i was like you know a kid right but then after the magic card thing i was like never oh, again no. yeah that's the way yeah that's the way it would end uh, your your interesting games that's how it would end definitely i yeah i, I feel you on that and i i just don't understand there and those are like high salary jobs why do you spend the time to lord knows lord. you know what? if he had yeah. played if he had played settlers mm-hmm. i would have preferred it in all honesty, because that it's Ooh. like you know you could integrate and kind of you know like they will still be obsessed. I'm gonna let you be honest. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just by the judge of it, like hmm, dentist and a you know um, a been, doctor playing. I could have been a part of it, but yeah, oh, the magic man. card game. I was just like, no, I'm not gonna mm. educate myself in order to assimilate into your fucked up world right now. I have a question. Were they like like childhood friends before? They were college friends, like college roommates or something. And now now okay. they were in medical school. They were still students, but yeah. um, they knew each other from college back in the day. So they didn't let something go. There was like a tournament, and uh, yeah, one is seeking uh, revenge, and they haven't let it go. That's why they're still playing. I'm gonna That's be honest. What it is. I'm um, gonna be honest. Yeah, because like I'm just like. Up resentment they got they have some old battles to kind of figure out you know his um this you know whatever um it's been years i'm going to share it his Mm -hmm. uh so my my boyfriend at the time was in medical school his friend the dental school boy he was like a good christian boy you know like very good christian boy and play with magic oh Mm, my aunt, my aunt took away my Harry Potter books. Are you kidding me? Oh my god! 
<laughs> Sorry. All right, let me um, yeah. ask you some flashcard questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. It's part of the thing. So the, okay. the drama that I talk about on this episode is called Beautiful Days. Stars uh, Chiju, who is a big Hollywood star. She's big in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, also stars Lee Byung-hun. He's big in, uh, big all over the world. He's also big in the United States to some extent. And uh, and Yushi Won is also part of this uh, this this love triangle situation. So anyway, it's an old mm-hmm. school drama. It came out twenty years ago. So I'm going to ask you some scenarios, um, questions based on the scenarios, and you just answer based on like what what you would do in this situation. Okay. All right. So let's say you're a woman in her late twenties, and mm-hmm. you grew up at an orphanage as a child. Okay. And okay. you now work at a record label called Victory Records as a stock clerk, all right, at the retail store. And your estranged sister, you're not blood related, but you guys met at the orphanage when you were kids and decided you're going to be sisters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, she now hates you as a grown woman. She hates your guts because you promised to meet her on Christmas Day a few years ago. But on your way over to meet her, you got hit by a car. <laughs> and... So you couldn't meet her. You got hit by a car. Come on. But your sister doesn't know this. All right. She doesn't know the fact that you got hit by a car. And she thinks that you abandoned her because you just didn't want, you know, to another person to take care of in your life. So there's this misunderstanding. What do right. you do? Um, let's see. Whew. This is going to. Yeah, we're going to we're going to have to like like talk about this. And um we might have to talk about like in a, in a public place because I don't want it to like to blow up, like you know, because like uh, like what kind of this public is, place? I mean, like a coffee shop, you know. Okay. I, I think I think like you know this is like a a, a really big misunderstandings. Mm. The second thing I'm gonna do, like yeah, I'm gonna schedule to meet yeah um, to meet her there, and the second thing is I'm getting my health records, of course. I'm getting my oh. medical records. I'm gonna get like the whole <laughs> like folder ready to go in a briefcase. <laughs> ready to go i'm gonna make it look professional yeah um and and here's the thing i always know about these kind of talks because i always um i do like trainings about like team development like storming periods especially Mm. in a friendship this is a storming stage you know and with this storming stage i think it's really important to kind of understand and value the friendship and the sisterhood that we developed with all these years from the orphanage and kind of reminder of the good times and now that will lead into my um my journey and especially the accident and that's something (laughs) where i can lead into while she's like all bubbly inside where she's like oh yeah this is yeah this is our life and stuff and then you know because we're going to get to that point where she wants to understand what happened why you didn't meet me at christmas and this is what i wanted to explain to you you know and kind of like kind of bring it all in kind of just make sure that she kind of um sees that the story like um what i went through and what she's going through intertwines and mm-hmm. with within that, that's what makes you know our friendship stronger, and that's what makes yeah. us more sisters. Yeah, yeah. Show her the evidence. Show her that like you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Show the bones. evidence. Yeah. <laughs> see the look, the X-ray. You know, holding it up to the light. As you can say, this is my doctor's card. Really good doctor. <laughs> and stuff. Oh, my yeah. health insurance. Don't worry about it. Thank <laughs> you. Though. Yeah, it's just a big misunderstanding. A car right. hit her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, that's the thing too like um i always see like especially in movies like things mm-hmm. could unravel if you feel like uh, like um i don't know like emotions take over and mm. and things like that not only like emotions take over but like 
it's like a like a um, push pull kind of game, kind of mm-hmm. like um, oh, this is about me, but it's right. not about you. No, it's about me, not about you, like that. So you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. Yeah, when you make it about yourself, you will never get anywhere. Yeah. Right. Some compromise, some understanding, compassion, empathy. Those things need to be integrated mm-hmm. for you to communicate. Very good. I like. And that. they want validation too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's all about yeah. the ego. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Very good. So okay, your boss. Yeah, so you're the you're the same store clerk lady, right. the older sister. Okay, um, your okay. boss at Victory Records. He's this handsome guy in his late twenties, and he's the son of the record label's president. That's right. Yeah. Yes, he he hands you a cell phone and tells you to only accept his phone calls from that cell phone. That he'll call you whenever. This motherfucker, he also grabs you by the wrist and drags you to, like, public events, you know? Like, fucking gets your hair done, your makeup done, throws some shoes on you, throws a nice dress and shawl on you, and drags you to public events whenever he wants. And he never explains himself, ever. He just does as he pleases. And, uh, yeah, he just makes you do things without your consent. But he's your boss, right? Mm. And he's hot. What do you do? Okay, so, like, we're already into this situation already. Like, he's already, like, um, yeah, taking me to these public places. The phone is already intact, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So, we're, we're in that situation already. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it would be that time where um, I feel especially, hmm, I would say, like, yeah, I would say it will probably have to be at work, especially if there's times, like, if he's, like, like checking in and whatever. I think the idea, my emotional state, which is really going to be, like, frustration mm-hmm. uh, because um, I think uh, the idea is that, like, I feel being used and mm-hmm. I, I don't appreciate it. I believe I'm a person who has feelings. Yeah. Um, I, I think I like it when people ask me how my day was, mm-hmm. things like that. What What is this? I want to ask him. <laughs> huh? I mean, go to these places and stuff. Do you even know who I am? Do you know what's my birthday? I want to ask. And yeah, I might make a scene. Because it's understandable. I'm not like an an object. I'm not like like a trophy or anything like that. What's with this phone? Is this even professional? (laughs) My well-being. Do you have any empathy? You want to be in my shoes? My shoes, like, they hurt my feet. You want to be in my shoes? (laughs) I'm walking up and down in my apartment thinking, what's up with this guy, you know? What is this? I'm going to be direct with him. That's what I'm going to say. I'll let him know, like, what's on my mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah, what is this? What's going on? Mm. But but I think it's, like, something, like, even, um, man, this this sounds like a good movie. Like, so the... (laughs) I, I feel like within that kind of scenario, he like I I always try to think of people's like uh, with their minds at it. like especially for that dude to um, to be doing yeah. that. He's thinking like oh sh- that's what like um, I, and again I'm not, I'm not sure like his character is like to think like oh women just wants like like money and stuff like mm-hmm. that. This is all yeah I'm giving her everything she wants you know kind of thing. Yeah. But no, it's just like it's gonna be a, of a point and to kind of understand like hey. I'm really upset. I have all the reasons to be upset yes. right now, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't be treating a grown ass woman like this. No, no. that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> okay. not professional. It's not. It's not. It's toxically masculine mm-hmm. and unprofessional. Yes. This all is right. 2020. Yeah. Hello. Get with it. 
All right. So you're the you're the second son of the president of Victory Records. Okay. So you're this like asshole guy's younger brother. Okay. Um, your older brother and your younger sister, they're half siblings. They treat mm. you and your mother like shit because you were the love child conceived by your father outside of his first marriage. All right. And yeah. his first marriage, your father's first marriage is where your older brother and younger sister half-siblings were born to with the first mm. wife. But after the first wife died, as soon as the first wife died, your father brought you and your mother into the house and, yeah, married her ass. Yeah, it, it's fucked up. Uh. So for good reason, your older brother and younger sister hate you and hate your mother, okay? But one day... You find out that your father is actually not your blood-related father. In fact, the man you called your father actually killed your real father. All right? And then he married your mother, who was pregnant with you at the time, because he wanted to raise you like his own son so that you will never avenge your real father's death. What do you do? Oh, damn. <laughs> okay. All right, this is a pickle. <laughs> Lord. Man, wow. Not a lot of people on my side. That's okay. <laughs> um, damn. You threw me on a twist there because I was, I was going to say I need to get out of this business. <laughs> I'm still going to do that. Oh, my God. All right, I'm still going to, yeah, uh, listen. Like, and, you know, and... My mom, like, and my me and my mom has a still has a cool relationship, right? Yeah. Okay. How does she feel with um her new husband though? She if... lived a very quiet life, like in shame, you know. In shame. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and she was a good woman, stand up woman, but. Mm -hmm. This this looks like I I have to plan a lot of like um I I would have to plan this out. It seems I'm gonna have to have a t um have an understanding with my mom to kind of realize like hey you don't want to be living this way. Here's my plan. Right. And I'm gonna drop a really important plan. I think it's the, it's time to get out of the business. We're gonna run. We're gonna get out of there. Yes. All right. And yes. um and I I I know what you think. I think I'm gonna kill them. You know, blow up the house. <laughs> Wait. No, no, I'm gonna call the cops. That's that's number oh. one. Um, now here's the thing, though. Like, um, man, I wish, uh, I wish there was a lead on like if there's any evidence or anything like that. But mm -hmm. um, if there's yeah, if there's evidence, um, if my mom's holding something, I want her to understand. Here's the plan. I'm gonna invest all this money. You know, I'm gonna get this company, this shell company, LLC company, where you know, um, all anything business finance, the money that he cannot touch. It's gonna be there, okay? Yeah. All right, and then we're gonna get out of. We're gonna get out. Gonna to go to another country. We're gonna settle down. Uh -huh. And yeah, mom, you're gonna find someone awesome. You're gonna do <laughs> great. And you know, um, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be here to protect you. Uh -huh. they, um, they won't forget when change names, uh, passports, change my hair color. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Um, Transformation. Yeah, transformation, and yeah, because like, yeah, I'm gonna let you know right now. I'm not down with that. I'm not gonna be <laughs> the family dynasty. You know, I'm not gonna live. You know, the succession life there. Yeah. You know, I'm already hearing the theme song from the from the TV show. But um, 
yeah, yeah, it just reminds me of Succession. I'm not gonna. I, I, it's what told me just like, uh, your dad, <laughs> Jared, your dad, like, uh, you have all this wealth and all this power. I'm just gonna, like, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank it's you. It's all despair and destruction. <laughs> I'm gonna take a little, I'm gonna take this a little bit. Yeah. And I'm gonna invest it. But that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Just a tiny bit of the blood money, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little. This is for all, all the emotional abuse that you yeah. put me through. I'm gonna just take the compensation. it. Compensation. That's all it yeah. is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sweet, sweet deal. Transformation. I like that. Thank all right. you. So, uh, okay, Oof, you're, you're back one. to. Uh, I was. That was. That was a pickle. Uh, but mm. you, you got through it. So you're you're back to being the first son okay. of Victory Records. Okay, you're that asshole, handsome oh, guy. Oh. Who treats the store clerk orphan lady like crap? Mm, yes. But you, but you like this store clerk orphan lady, all right? You mm-hmm. you have feelings for her. That's why you treated her like gar- like garbage, right? And you want to marry her, so you propose to her, and then you tell her to meet you at a church where you'll get officially engaged in front of her younger sister and her friends and all that, all right? But then right. on the day of your official engagement, you find out that your dad killed your younger brother's real dad and married a pregnant woman who treated who you treated like shit your whole life and you also treated your younger brother like shit your whole life because you thought they were your father's mistress mistress and bastard son but turns out all the success that you and your father are sitting on now are actually a stolen career from the man your father murdered right and you feel so much shame and regret that you don't think you can face the woman you're about to marry. What do you do? Oh, boy. <laughs> Man. And she's waiting at the altar. She's waiting. She's waiting at the altar? <laughs> she's all dolled up. right? Yeah. Man, I only got five minutes to figure this out. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen. This, yeah, I mean, I, there's, a, there's a lot. My world is breaking down here. <laughs> You know, like things just don't make any sense. Who am I? I'm yelling out in the streets. Who am I? I do a little twirl like, ah, it's raining. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I'm just like, I need to figure out who I am. Mm. You know, I have to yeah. figure out. And do I, if I don't, if I haven't figured out myself, have I figured out the people around me? Mm. Is this the right step? Mm-hmm. You know, I always... And this is, um, I think, this is what I, I think I would do. I think um, processing all this and um, especially like the journeys of my life and me starting over a lot, I sure. feel like it's like it's fine mm-hmm. because I feel like not only clearing my conscience, but like living, starting over to know who exactly who I am and what mm-hmm. I want to do with my right. life, who I want to love. Mm-hmm. And I think if I go and meet her and if this is something that I want to pursue, I don't think that I would just, just meet her. But I think I'll meet her later. I don't think at the altar. Mm-hmm. I think this will take a lot of time because, again, um, this is tearing me up emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I know it's tearing up her emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she wants to go along with it. I mm-hmm. think she's going to – it's either – it's going to be an airport scene. It's going to might be, like, at a train station or she's mm-hmm. leaving somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like – oh, wait, what's her name? Do I think of her name? Young-soo. 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 And I'm running <laughs> – and like she's about to get on the plane, like Young Sue. I know you don't know me, and I, I don't think I I don't know you, but I want to. Hi, I'm Jason. 
can I take you out? I want to get to know Young Sue. But Jason, <laughs> you know me. We worked at the record store. Like, but you're not listening. I don't know who I was back there. And I think I want to get to know you. And I think you want to get to know me. Mm. And the one that you knew back there, that wasn't me. That was me who's trying to impress m my family. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I that's um, that's how I picture it's gonna be. I think um, mm. if if the love is there, and and if um, the idea where like um, you're gonna have to process for all the family stuff, of especially the the fighting and. You know, and, and you just realize all of that was just negative, and it's something that's like positive you want to pursue. Right. Like, why not? There again, there's still a great chance of you just starting over. You know, taking that little bit of money though, taking mm. a little bit of money. You know, invest bit. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. make it yours, and then you know, maybe yeah. have a farm, and you, you know, and yes. Next, you know, you, you know, you get to marry uh, later on. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, I'm so happy we did this. I get to know you. You get to know me. You know, my birthday. You know, all of that. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, that's actually very good, like very insightful and beautiful kind of character analysis. Yeah, that's pretty much what happens in the show. Yeah, he mm. okay. he does it. He doesn't show up at the altar. He goes to a hotel, locks himself up, gets drunk off his ass, cries a lot. Yeah, it's mm. yeah, and then he breaks it off with her for a bit. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. wow. I could be yeah. a director. Nice. You could. You genuinely could. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So okay. Last question. Yeah. All right. You're you're still this uh, Victory Records first son guy, all right? Okay. Now now you're a complete bum. You lost everything. All right? Damn, I took the money though. Because it got it got revealed that you know Victory Records is like you know sitting on blood on a man's blood, and it's just the stocks dropped, and yeah, you're you're flat broke. Hmm. You have nothing, and your father is heartbroken because your stepmother actually committed suicide after finding out the truth all right so and and you can't get over this orphan store clerk lady that you broke up with all right oh, of you still not. you still want to be with her but you feel like your father's shame is preventing you from being with her same same deal as before but one day you find out that your lady is actually diagnosed with leukemia she's about to die oh, what do you do Oh, this is so much. I just wanted to run the record store for my father. Okay. Um, this is a lot. Okay. All right. So, I, I I'm gonna go back to one thing. And here's the thing. Um, there there has to be. You know, people has to repent. And my dad, he's a killer. Yeah. He needs to understand it. And he has to face the music. I'm going to mm. tell him to turn himself in. Mm -hmm. He has to do it. There's nothing, like, a, like about it, you know? Right. He's going he's gonna to either hurt himself or hurt other, more other people. Because mm. he just doesn't get it. And he needs to, like, face the music. I'm going to help yeah. him with that. Mm -hmm. If not, I'm going to have to call him. I'm going to have to call him. 
you already ruined the family. I got nothing left, right. you know, because I have some. I have another thing I have to deal with, which is Young Su, who she, yeah, yeah <laughs> leukemia. I'm gonna take care of her, of course. Mm. You know, I'm scared. The next thing you're gonna tell me, there's kids involved. <laughs> I'm just like, shit. <laughs> but. Okay. But I want to say this though. I I'm gonna take care of it. I know I don't have a lot of money because you know, as I as he said, like you know, I'm living out as a bum and all that. And mm-hmm. um, I uh, I'm gonna to try to put my business. You know, I'm gonna take business school uh, okay. again, and um, I'm gonna to try to uh, you know create you know uh, create more like knowledge of myself around businesses and 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 and, 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 and charities. And um oh. and this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put my mind into something. I, I think while I'm doing this hospital visit and I'm done with the business school and classes, I'm gonna try to run a um a charity where I might take up some running, do a little like marathon, you okay. know, raise money <laughs> in order to help Young Sue to beat leukemia and um yeah. and um yeah, and I don't know what's the next part, but I feel like I'm doing a lot of noble things. <laughs> And it's up to this point. I I think things are gonna pull through because yeah. you know I have a lot of integrity. So <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. It works out for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It was the marathon. He did the marathon, right? Oh, um, that second younger son, the one that finds out like his real father was murdered. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That guy becomes a very successful record producer, and he has a shit ton of money. And he actually mm. loves Yunsu as well. There was this love triangle situation, so oh. he financially supports her medical expenses, and they find a bone marrow donor that matches hers in Japan, and it all works out. Oh, so what you trying to say is while I was trying to raise money, I found out he was taking the expenses. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, bro, what the fuck? Yep, 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 yeah. yep. It's, yeah, it's never it's never a clean cut kind of romance in Korean dramas. It's always got to be some yeah. drama. <laughs> well, I mean, only yeah, because like, and they just add more to it. I'm like, man, wow, yeah, it t- it takes you through the ringer. I saw this drama when I was in middle school. Can you imagine, as an adolescent girl, the ups and downs that I experienced Jesus. watching this week by week? <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> I could imagine it just like one problem that happened, uh, <laughs> and then you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, we solved that one. What's the next problem? Or, <laughs> I know something worse. else is coming up. Yeah, and <laughs> worse and worse all at once. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's so nice oh, talking to you, Jared. You're yeah, so great Grace. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is yeah, this is awesome. Um, like I said, I uh, we try to make it. You know, we try to make it through what we do, but this was yes. really fun. Thanks, man. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Successful Story of a Bright Girl. It stars Chang Hyuk and Chang Nara. It's another old school Korean drama. I love this show. And the guest for next week is also a remarkable human being. So please remember to tune in. You guys, I got another fan letter. So I will read it to you. Dear Grace, I stumbled upon your podcast while searching for something about my mister, and I have binge streamed almost every episode. I thoroughly enjoy them. They are a bit addictive. I was listening to your most recent podcast episode 14 with Dr. Chiyun, and the comment that Dr. Chiyun made about her parents 
watching the drama to learn about her daughter's dating landscape triggered something in me. I watched Sky Castle just after it was released and I wasn't prepared for the effect it would have on my own life. As a father of, at, a, at the time, a 24-year-old son on his way to a PhD in neuroscience, Sky Castle reminded me of his high school years and his current university attendance. It caused me to look back at myself and my son through high school. I ended up sitting down with my son and talking to him about school, his high school years, current school, parental pressure and drive and wanting to reassure him that I would be happy no matter what he did as long as he was happy. He knew that I watched Korean dramas and probably thought I was nuts, so it was more for me to shed some of my Catholic guilt. Sky Castle had a universality to it in the parent-child relationships that surprised me. I say surprised because in many Korean dramas, I find the parent-child relationships to be so different from my own experiences. I think Sky Castle was a bit overwrought with hyper-real parent-child relationships, but I still think it did something no American television show has done for me. It is not the only Korean drama to trigger a bit of introspection and maybe not the best example. I should say that I am a 59-year-old white guy from Canada, raised in a first-generation Italian family in a much different world. Anyway, hope that makes sense and great podcast. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew, for sharing this lovely letter. I'm so happy that you and your son got to have this heart-to-heart chat. Um, I'm so happy that you got to shed some of your Catholic guilt. I mean, my God, that's real. I mean, that is some real reckoning. Good for you for doing that. It's not easy to do, and I am so happy that you did it. I celebrate you. I support you. Keep on with that path, man. There's no, there's no need to harbor shame and guilt, right? We need to liberate ourselves from these feelings so that we can pursue happiness and and you know share happiness around all the people that we're surrounded by. So I'm so happy that you had that moment with your son. Congratulations to you and your son for him pursuing his PhD in neuroscience. I think that's amazing. I think it's genuinely cool that you're a 59-year-old white guy from Canada, uh, from an Italian first-generation family. I think that's awesome. And um, I genuinely appreciate you as a listener. So thank you for writing to me. Yeah, I don't think it's weird at all that you watch Korean dramas. I think it's fantastic a lot of people watch korean dramas all kinds of people and i I doubt that you're the only 59 year old white man from canada watching korean dramas i genuinely doubt that i think there are many 59 year old white men in canada listening to this podcast and watching korean dramas as we speak so if you're a 59 year old white man living in canada just write to me you could write email to email me at kdramaschool at gmail.com just say hello say hey what's up grace i'm a 59 year old white guy from canada all right i listen to your podcast and i most recently watched a korean drama on netflix on hulu on whatever okay folks if you have questions if you have if you have something on your minds just email me i'm happy to talk about it and address it on this podcast. I appreciate your your listening. Thank you to the new subscribers who subscribed on my YouTube channel. Thank you for people who subscribed on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you guys haven't had a chance to subscribe to my YouTube channel, I'm asking you to please subscribe to my YouTube channel. And uh, if you could leave five stars on Apple and leave a nice little review, uh, that would also help a great deal you know i mean we're i'm doing this one day at a time you guys one day at a time it is a lot of work okay 
um, in many regards, it's a, it's a thankless task, okay? But, you know, I mean, living as an artist in America, I'm used to doing thankless things. <laughs> I'm an academic as well. It is the most thankless thing, right? And yet here we are. Here we are combining all of my thankless skills and talents and uh, recording and putting these out into the stratosphere. But for those of you who are listening, thank you. I genuinely appreciate you. You guys, uh, you guys keep me, you guys keep me hanging on. <laughs> Follow me on all the socials at K Drama School, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. You know the deal. You could also like the page on Facebook. Whatever it is, I'm here. I'm listening. Say hello. Reach out. Be nice to one another. Thank you. I will see you all next week.